Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How are you? Good. You sound really fresh. <clears throat> Do I? Yeah. That's an error. Fresh. Fresh. Exciting. On the line with Roderick. Mm. Where are you from? Interesting. Saxophone. Rip saxophone. <laughs> you. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, you sound fresh. Oh. So fresh and so clean. Mm. Oh yeah, like like the like the rapping song. Yeah, you know it's it's fine. You know, school days, school days. We're back to school. Oh, back to school again. Yep. We'll uh, see how it goes with the. What's that about? Well, there's. Uh, well, let's see. Of course, you know she's zooming. And uh, it's unclear to me how much of the 9.30 to 3.30 day will involve Zoom, but I think a lot of it will. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, John. Mm. That's no good. It's, it's you know, I mean, I got, I got a good report that, uh, that she likes her. There's this thing called advisory, and I think it's kind of like homeroom, but, um, and she, she likes that person, so that's good. You know, and I got I to say, this school's done a hell of a job with, you know, doing what they can to make this good. Every kid got a Chromebook. Um, oh. Yeah, you have to use the school Chromebook, even though now we have two Chromebooks in my house, so I'm covered with shame. But, um, but, but you know, I, I mean, know. we'll see. We'll see. I, I think I, I, I'm trying not to be uh, fretful about it, you know. Sure. I'm the dad. Sure. I'm supposed sure. to be the positive uh, cheerleader rock of a man. Yep, yep, yep. That's you. <laughs> that's me. Positive cheerleader rock of a man. That's me. What is a Chromebook? I'm looking it up here. It seems like it costs $150 to $250, and it is made by the Dell Corporation. Well, I don't know a ton about it because oh, it's – Well, I mean, it's not – I mean, so my understanding is that – I think it's come further than this, but I think the idea was that it was a way to – there's an operating system by Google – that mostly runs on Google's sort of web apps. And I guess uh -huh. there's other apps that you can get. But now, you, of course, you can use Zoom. And now it's like its own, like, platform. I, you know, I don't know a ton about uh, it. But, oh, but so it's just like a Gmail uh, host. A Gmail box, yeah. Gmail box. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, like I say, I hope it's I, – I, I hope it goes well. I can't imagine yeah. being on video with people that much each day. I don't know how my wife does it. I don't know how my kid's going to do it. We haven't started school yet here because um, for some reason Washington is still in the in the real world where school doesn't start until after Labor Day. Ugh. At least that's the world where I was born. John Roderick, from your it's, mouth to God's ear. That's, it's, it's, it's When I heard those fucking schools in Georgia, your favorite state, when yeah, Georgia – I do like Georgia. Oh, boy. Nice Don't give me. You know what? I'm not going to argue with you again. But that governor is a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. There are a lot of lot of things about coming around Georgia on that. that what I a piece of shit that guy is. He coming around. <laughs> I would change a lot of things about it. Yeah, Georgia. Yeah. But you know, it's a nice state. It's got it's got the high. It's got the mountains. It's got the. Oh, you talking? About, you get a nice view from Peachtree. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. You you don't want to go to uh, you don't want to go Stone Mountain. Oh, anymore. that's been canceled. But oh, we canceled Stone Mountain. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, I, I, the governor of Atlanta, she's she's quite a she's real pistol, as my dad. Keisha, she is a pistol. Keisha Lance Bottoms, she kind of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but I mean, you were I, saying Georgia went back to school in in like oh yeah, June or like, something. Well, I don't know how much you you're probably not as online about this as I am because you're healthier than I am. But 
I spend a lot of my usually, like I say, afternoons sort of catching up on what's happening with COVID locally and nationally uh, and what's not happening. And uh, so you probably heard about the things where in Gwinnett County, which I feel like is east of Atlanta, but it's, 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 a, it's not too far from Atlanta. Anyhow, Gwinnett County, um, 260 is in July, like right before they opened, 260 uh, staff either like mostly had to be quarantined, but some had it. You saw probably saw that photo where the student at the high school took the photograph of the crowded hallway. Yeah, all crammed up she, on each other. Then she got suspended and unsuspended. Um, it's just anyway. I'm not going to make this all about COVID. I, here's the thing: this is it's better than going into a building at this point. That's mental, but it still sucks. It still sucks. She's in starting seventh grade with video Ugh. phone calls. Oh no. Yeah. She's she's repping her cool uh uh blue Star Trek uh you know engineering shirt today though. That's a good, good. look. It's a very good, strong good, good. look. Yeah. It's so not fair to them, the kids. Yeah. I uh we were told until what? 3 days ago that our school, our our charming little Montessori school that that um you know just it was going to Montessori their way through this. It's kind of like Jesus can help you uh, not get COVID and also Montessori can help you not get COVID. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. They were going to just have in-person classes. And then three days ago, they were like, no, it's going to be fine. We've got – we each each student will have their own room at the school. <laughs> They'll all be – you know, we'll cover them from head to toe in like petroleum jelly at the beginning of the day. Oh, nice. But then on- <laughs> that should make them manageable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Their website is super easy to use, uh, and I use it a lot. I'm a fan, as I'll tell you about in just a second. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you the money with no questions asked. Not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Great for working out, uh, going to work, going on dates, just everyday life. I think this copy was written a long time before the COVID. Uh, let me just say, as an addendum, uh, their, their clothing is also great uh, for sitting around and, and recording a podcast and, and, and not going places. This is really a, this is a cool new thing. Mac Weldon uh, really does value its loyal customers, and that's why they've created the Weldon Blue Loyalty Program. And here's how it works. You create an account on their website, MacWeldon.com, and that's absolutely free. At level one, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit uh, uh, hoarse because I just recorded the Roderick on the Line podcast. Uh, but I want to tell you about this Weldon Blue Loyalty Program. You create an account, which is free, no dollars. And at level one, you place an order for any amount, and you will never pay for shipping again. Woof. Level two, once you purchase $200 worth of products from Mac Weldon, not only will you continue to receive free shipping, but you will also start saving 20% on every order you make for the next year. Also at level two, that grants you access to new products before they are released to anyone else, as well as free gifts added to future orders. Loyalty has its privileges. 
And this is the part where I tell you about how I like Mac Weldon, which is very easy for me to do uh, because I, I do. As you may know, you may remember that I'm a huge fan, a daily wearer of the Tech Cashmere Long Sleeve. Big fan of that. It's a great, uh, great topmost layer. Uh, but today, uh, as we record this uh, August 17th, uh, year of our Lord 2020, San Francisco's hot. It's very hot here. So I am wearing uh, an older purchase of mine, which is the 18-hour Jersey Crew Neck Undershirt. Big fan. Big fan of this shirt. You know, you think a t-shirt is just a real simple thing. It's not. This thing is, is built like a brick poop house in a good way. I mean, like a, that you would wear. And it's very well engineered. It's extremely comfortable. And uh, even though I'm very hot in San Francisco, uh, you know, uh, in other clothes, I'm very comfortable right now. I'm comfortable telling you that as well. So that's Mac Weldon. They're really good. Uh, you know, so uh, listen, here's what you do. You go to MacWeldon.com slash ROTL just like it sounds, and you're going to get 20% off your order using the promo code ROTL. That's all you got to do. Just ROTL, just like it sounds. MacWeldon.com slash ROTL. So grateful to these folks. Uh, they've been great great to me and my body, let's be honest. And uh, I really recommend you check them out. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. The little ones are really slippery. Reek, 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 reek. <laughs> Uh, but then on Friday, they they came out, the new principal, oh, did I mention there's a new principal, came out and said, um, oh, we're not going to have in-person classes because that's that seems like it, it would be like a bad idea. So we're, we're pivoting to Zoom classes. Um, we haven't been working on that all summer because oh, we were God. convinced we were going to be in person. Right. We were, we, we really, we had a lot of conviction. And so now we're, but it's going to be great. We're going so to they're, scramble. They're, they must be scrambling a little bit, though. That's oh. that's tough. Oh, this school is, has tried so hard. But I, mean, we, I forget if we've talked about this here, but part of the whiplash problem here is that when, when, things, when things shut down, you know, we say, okay, we've got to go all in on remote. And then, so there's remote, remote, remote. And then a bunch of places, oh, no, you know, actually, we're going to reopen. Well, that's a whole different thing. Yes. That, it's, not just, it's not just the thing that you were doing, but differently it's a whole different thing it's a whole different thing and it's also a microcosm of the bigger covid problem which is that it arrives in the midst of a lot of our infrastructure already being pushed having been pushed to the limit budgets cut all that kind of stuff so you know there's not really a lot of resources or runway or expertise to go, okay, now we're all online. No, wait, no, wait, hang on. Now we're going to switch back to getting ready to open the schools and we're going to scrub the desk like that does fuck all. And it's like, oh no, by the way, now we're going all in on uh, online. We're going to develop that curriculum, which I'm sure it's just teaching, right? What's the difference? Oh, it's just teaching. It's just teaching. And then, The thing uh, is that the, you know, the Royal Navy had, uh, had young people scrubbing the desks uh, uh, for centuries and, it, uh, and they conquered the world. You're saying you you're t- if I understand you correctly, you're saying the British Empire mm-hmm. unseats Spain as yes. the great maritime power, and that was largely through scrubbing desks. Initially, initially, right? the young people. It's it's it was have you know the older people in the Royal Navy already knew how to do things, but the younger yeah. people start by scrubbing desks, and then they then you end up with Horatio Nelson. Is that right? That's so what I, do that's they what call I'm it? Saying. Is it called swabbing? Or I know that it's well, England. They probably have a different name for it over there. Well, and they also were covered with petroleum jelly, so it's a thing. <laughs> there's a long history of uh-huh. it. Um, 
So I'm I, my faith rests in the long arc of history. Yeah, as I it mean, always it's not, petroleum is not a renewable resource, but but it's it has the performance characteristics of an extremely safe and slippery child in front of a freshly swabbed desk. It's something that will bring a tear to any British eye. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, that's right. And then you sing the Marseilles. Oh, um, <laughs> can I, can I uh, do a follow up question? Yeah, go go. You just said something interesting to me. Oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. did I tell you the school has a new principal? May I ask how long ago that happened, or or if you don't know that, how long ago you learned about that? Mm, see, a lot has a lot has transpired. The new principal isn't. It wasn't the surprise. the The new principal they hired a principal last year, and halfway through the year, and the principal is, was a was a very decent fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and young, uh, you know, like, a like, like just charting a new course, um, uh, young family, I think maybe a child on the way. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, like just, just young, like fresh faced and charming, we're, we're hungry, hungry for the job for, for, he was from Scotland too. So, Ooh. you know, that, so the Scotland accent really imparts a kind of. I don't know. It just makes everything seem smarter and more elegant to us here in the Northwest. I'm mm-hmm. sure in, in Northern Britain, it just makes you sound like a dummy. But mm. here, here in America, it's like, oh, he's Scottish. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's going to put it all in the cloud. <laughs> My name is Principal Cloud McLeod. <laughs> uh, and I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through the year, he said, uh, but he was doing that thing where in order to take the job, he had he was commuting for an hour and a half from from like a neighboring town, oh yeah, or maybe longer, two hours, something. He was like in the car all day, and uh, he took a different job halfway through the year. He was like, uh, "I'll finish out the year, um, but then next year I'm going to go do uh, uh, I'm going to be the principal of some different school." And that happened. Okay, you, so you, you, had, you knew at some point, like even last in the last academic year. That yeah. he he was going to be leaving. Okay, okay, cool, cool. That was that was pre-COVID. But then, uh, then the COVID happened, yeah. and uh, honestly, Merlin, to uh, not to not to put too fine a point on it, but my daughter's teacher last year was not up to the task. Everyone in the school understood that that they had done a that they had uh, done a poor job of hiring because they'd hired a teacher that was not. She was also very young, but not. Uh, not ready to teach a class um, needed to go back to Montessori school probably and start over again from Ooh, the beginning. Montessori school for, for grownups. I don't hate that. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be good? That would be so good. I could use that. Oh, just get to, you, you get, you get colored blocks and you yeah. get, you get time to make tea in the day. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but the school did not, you know, it's a small school, so it didn't have the resources to just like, sure deal with the fact that they'd hired the wrong teacher. And, and so, just to be clear here, you're saying before the COVID times, you, you oh, knew yeah. that this person was not up to it or not suited for just the way, just in, in, regular in-school instruction. September 1st, the first day we met and shook hands and sat and talked in the lobby of the school. And I said, hey, welcome to the school. You know, we're new here too. Um, after 10 minutes of talking to her, I was like, what, really? This one? This yeah. is the teacher? But so all year long, we we had to deal with that, just kind of suffer with that. Um, did did your daughter have a sense? 
How much did you talk to her about your feelings about that? Did did did, did your kid have a sense that uh, you two weren't so crazy about the teacher? No, we kept that. We yeah. kept that. that you don't want to undermine them, but no, that seemed above her pay grade. But but she was new to the concept of Montessori, but she had been to Montessori for three months prior to summer last year. And the teacher that she had uh, was like this seasoned veteran, a woman I loved immediately. The first day I met her, it was just like, we just had sparks. I really thought she was a a dynamo. I sat in the class one day and watched her work, and I just was like, wow, Montessori is amazing. And then she retired over the summer. And it was just like, oh, awesome. Mm. And she was replaced by this, uh, by a, a new teacher that now subsequently has been, you know, at the end of this, this last school year, she was fired. Wow. But, but so we didn't talk, but what we did express in earshot of our daughter was the fact that once we went to COVID, uh, protocols, the teacher who was completely out of her depth, no longer had the resources of just being in a school full of people that kind of knew what was happening. She was just out at sea. She was in her yeah, apartment. Yeah, you can't, you can't bluff. You can't bluff that to, to no. people who know what's what. And so, so our, our initial COVID experience was just terrible because, you know, she was one of these. She was doing that thing where she was like, okay, the Zoom meeting it starts in five minutes. But the, the code was wrong and none of the kids could get in. And we sat and stared at our computers for an hour. Yeah. And then she would send out an email like, oh, sorry about that. You know, I had an emergency. My mom's cat had a, you know, got its tag tangled in its cat litter. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, and we're, we're sitting there with our pencils out, like ready to do whatever the assignment was. Anyway, so this year, my daughter was moving up to the next level of Montessori class where the teacher was this deeply experienced an Australian, another voice, another accent that sounds really Oh, that's it. We we had an Australian. We had an Australian in preschool and she was terrific. Yeah, terrific. She had a very high, very high sort of voice when she talked. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. nice. The progress is quite good. A little bit of like a headmistress. (laughs) They were all hippies. She had like that long gray hair. You know, well, that's the thing. There are places in, in the world where people uh, would hear an Australian accent and recognize that Australians were were all hippies and hillbillies, and it did, wouldn't convey like intelligence and sophistication like it does here. But here, every accent. <laughs> well, you're really you are you are going ham <laughs> on the British t- protectorate right now. <laughs> Don't get me started. Any, on any that. other remarks? <laughs> oh, Victoria Falls, more like Victoria fails. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Keeps. You can learn more about Keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash supertrain. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. And now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy, and they deliver your medication every three months, so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Keeps believes that prevention is key, okay? Keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results, so it's important to act fast. 
The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss, prevention, medication. Keeps' treatments start at just $10 a month, plus for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash supertrain to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Keeps for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. It just camouflages their complete incompetence. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yeah. so... They had so, it and they blew it. They had it and they blew it. You know what I'm saying? We were going into this school year. We had this teacher. She was like the she was the heart and soul of the institution. Finally, after a year and a half of being in this school, they were we knew they were going to hire a new principal, but she was going to have this new experience with it. And even even under COVID protocols, you know, the I had faith that this teacher was going to. I don't know, put that Lowry's seasoning salt of education on uh, on what our daughter was going to experience as a, as a newly minted fourth grader. Yeah. And I kid you not, in July, an email goes out that says, oh, she's going back to Australia. Hmm. After living in America for, I to don't like know. To fin- finish 20, her sentence? 25 years. 25 years. Mm-hmm. She's going back to Australia to finish her sentence. Uh, that's right. It turn, it you know, when you out. say that, that line, we're so close, we finish each other's sentences, that has a different meaning in Australia. Owing, does, to the, owing, right. to, owing to the prisons and the very large spiders. Yes, your father did not, your father died before his sentence was complete and you inherited it. We just figured that out. We just figured that that's out. That's why they call it the Australian birthright. <laughs> So there's so much people sudden, can learn from our program. It's really, you know, if you would like an annotated copy of the of the show, yeah, just just um, S- send just a send self-addressed a stamp envelope. envelope, yeah, <laughs> to, to Roderick on the line, uh, in Anytown, Washington, Pueblo, Pueblo, Colorado, Pueblo, Colorado, nine eight seven eight seven. There's government wants to give you money. You understand? Mm-hmm. Right? If you can draw this pirate. Yes, you may be you may be qualified to go to the Ernest Hemingway famous school of Australia design. So, Merlin, suffice yes. to say, okay. we are we are paddling hard to keep our heads above water. The, so here's what so here's here's the solution. Are you ready? Yeah. The new principal who is uh who you know, he, he was announced right about the time that our teacher announced that she wouldn't be in class. At which point we were like, well, you know, we threw up our hands and we're like, we can't, there's, this school is too, this school is too falling apart. We can't keep doing this. I mean, I, I have to tell you right off the dome, I, I, I'm thinking about, um, this is quick, but like there's a lot of reporting right now, obviously, about places like New York, Manhattan, or New York in general, but also very much San Francisco. People are like, okay, you know, I was paying five grand a month for this one room apartment or like one bedroom apartment for my tech job to be nearby and I, I like restaurants and I like theater and I like all of the things. And it's like, it's not taking a lot of people too much to, especially recent people with money and tech jobs to go, Oh, wait a minute. Like I can work from home for my Google job until next summer. Why, yeah. why am I paying $5,000 for a room? I can't leave. There's no good reason. And with, no. it strikes me that Montessori 
I mean, I don't mean this as like a dig, but like there are certain kinds of things that are not going to do well uh, now and in the future. And one of those things is if, if your thing involves a high level of interactivity in a closed space, you know, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sounding stupid, but like, you know, if, if, if you're, if what you're doing can become a vector for spread right now, it's going to be rough. So the value that's derived from a hands-on in-class Montessori experience, as you've stipulated, playing with blocks on Zoom is not what we were looking for here. No, it's not. And, and so what we, what we learned, this is the thing that we learned not very long ago was that the new principal was going to also be the new upper elementary teacher. In a small school, that's probably just practical in terms of like what you could can be fine. Time. Could be fine, but, but now it's also happening above, you know, on Zoom. Okay, jeez. So I don't know, man. I don't what's know. What's the latest? What do you, what, what is the, if you can say, um, what is, what's the latest guidance on how things are going to go and when i really think this is not a thing i ever would have you know when when our daughter was in in vitro Mm -hmm. you probably remember that time right it was a long time ago sure You, you had a baby on the way you didn't know what to expect you never had a baby before right one's coming you know, you look over at your partner and you're like, we got a baby coming. Yep. What are we going to do? And there's some rustling around. There's some buying of little sailor uh, outfits. At least I'm just describing my own personal experience. You start nesting. You know, my you daughter's mother bought a lot of little sailor outfits. A lot of sailor outfits. Okay. Okay. Again, interesting. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, so basically, you know, eventually she could learn to swab a desk. Well, that was my, that was, that was what I thought I, I i learned later that no it was just that they were cute oh but i was like you? yeah well, we're gonna put her in the navy it'd be nice for you to become a lord nelson or or a, a rear admiral so this is one of the things like i remember walking around thinking what am i going to have my daughter call me i i would like it if she called me colonel but i'm not a colonel and i don't want to have stolen valor um <laughs> last thing you want is to be walking around the mall and fucking Sherman T. Potter mm-hmm. goes off on you and says, right. where did you serve? Yeah. My daughter's like, Colonel, mm-hmm. can I have this? And I'm like, no. And then oh, somebody comes I, over I could, and says- I could enjoy being called Colonel. I could really enjoy Where did you serve, that. sir? Wow. Uh, I, was a, I was a colonel in the, you know, the Indy Rock armies. Be like, I was, I was a colonel in the Seven Nation Army. He'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you if you allow it, I, I would like yeah. to at least experiment with me from time to time calling you Colonel. Mm. No, well, I would like it, and you know, and I I thought of, I I was I was sincere about this. You know, I wanted to call me Sir. I think all children should call me Sir. <laughs> I think that you know, I think that that's like, totally reasonable. Maybe Hair Doctor mm-hmm. would be would be all right. Like Hair Doctor. May I have Professor Doctor Doctor Professor? I think is what it would be, uh-huh. or like what, you know, like you know, some people get like a Reverend Doctor, Reverend Doctor, right? But unfortunately, I did, I have not earned any of those titles, and also unfortunately, it turned out I could not create a world where any of the kids called me Sir. I'm I'm lucky enough to, just to be called Daddy, mm-hmm. but also we had all the best laid plans of. Um, 
of our of parents of our time, we intended to use cloth diapers. Did oh, you did absolutely. you go through that? Did you do that the cloth John, diapers? We we were all in on every part of this racket. So it, 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 I will never grow tired of pointing out how many industries in America are predicated on a sort of predat- emotional predatoryness, whatever that uh-huh. word would be. Right, so you 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 and I've I've grown fond of saying there are certain businesses that only begin to make money in certain situations. Are you? How do we get you angry? How do we get you? Um, and how do we get you angry? How do we get you fearful? How do we get you ashamed? Right? This is the whole basis of Clearasil. Sure. You know, and, oh, but like in this, there's this whole this whole racket that is, I feel like, really underwritten by a lot of people giving parental advice, which is like, let's try to make this mom to be feel like shit, doubt herself, and let's just undermine the idea of probable success at every turn through a series of purchases you need to make. But mm-hmm. even more than that, we were also, and I, I'm not criticizing this move, even though we ended up not going with it, but we were going to try the whole natural thing, which is a cult. There's an incredible, like, this cult of people who are so judgy if you haven't, like, we went to one of these fucking classes where it was like, this, ah, yeah, I gave birth in a tub in the my family mm-hmm. room and there was a Michelob waiting for me in the mini fridge. You're like, Fuck mm. you. You're you're just you're so goddamn lucky you did not have complications, mm-hmm. and I feel all I'm saying is even though I think this is probably true of a lot of white people of means having their first kid is you do all kinds of like crazy shit and over preparing and you ignore the advice of somebody like Matt Howie who had the mm-hmm. single greatest piece of advice, uh, you know apart from that whole catch up on your sleep which is not a meaningful thing to say to an adult, but right. he said basically get a bunch of get a bunch of diapers. And get a bunch of onesies. Everything else is optional. <laughs> Don't try to buy your way into parenthood. It uh-huh. won't work. And then what you're going to end up with is a lot of stuff that you just have to give away because you can, there's so much stuff for the baby that for obvious reasons only has relevance for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't buy like a $90 Ramones onesie because they're not going to be able to wear it in a month. Nope, but, that's right. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm talking a lot here, but I'm I'm supporting what you're saying. We wanted to create the best set of conditions we could for success for ourselves and our, our dumb baby, and yeah, and we did all we did we did we did a ton of crazy shit where we over engineered every aspect of it because that's what our people do. Yeah, and you for, uh, you you cannot know. I don't think uh, looking at the first six months of your baby that there will be a time four years later when the child is still a baby and all of the things that you, I mean, you know, when your baby is brand new, you know, every time someone says a cross word in the house, you think, Oh no, our child is going to be permanently damaged by their exposure to that negative energy. Babies bounce, babies bounce, not just physically, babies bounce emotionally. You cannot, you cannot prevent them for being very, very sad but you should find some solace in the fact that they will, there will always be something making a baby sad, and eventually yes. it will go to sleep. It will go to sleep eventually, and all things, you know, like, it all, it all works out. You can't, it's very bank hard. Up, you can't bank up any credit, though. That's no, part that's of it. Right. You feel like it's like this kind of idiot rich husbands who, like, think buying a fur coat once a year will get them out of 364 other days of being a total shit. And yeah. it's really, it's a rally, not a race. You got to just keep showing up at the right time at the right place 
Keep and buying a fur coat every single day. Buy a fur, fur coat, coat every a day. day. Yeah, yes. That's the only way. The only way you're going to survive a marriage. But first make sure you. you slather her. Slather her in petroleum jelly. Yes. Yeah. And but no, in I'm, our, I'm with you. It's, it's, uh, in it's, our it's case, it was, it was, it's because, um, because I, I was not a hippie. As you know, mm-hmm. my parents were not hippies. Far my from brothers, it. brothers and sisters were hippies and you know, we didn't, we didn't respect them here hmm. in the house. Um, but my daughter's mother's parents were hippies, big time hippies. And she was raised as a hippie. And you wouldn't know it by talking to her. You know her. You've talked to her. You know. You don't think, oh, what a hippie. Because no, she's, she's a- she seems very. She strikes me as being very, um, very like she really is. I don't know another better word than she's really wired right. Sure, she's very capable. She's a professional person. But in her life, her mom made her own clothes until eighth grade. She never saw a television even through the window of a house as she was driving by in a car. Wow. Until she was, I don't know, 16, something like that. Whoa. Um, just That's raised wild. entirely, never tasted chocolate. It was all, uh, it was all carob. And so even though she made the transition to normalcy and she recognizes that like some of that stuff was crazy and that she should have been able to taste chocolate before she was 19, there are other things that, that really lodged, right? Like, <clears throat> And one of those is screen time. She never wanted her little girl to have any screen time. And we barely – she barely has had any screen time. There's no – there's there's not really very much computer in her life. Uh, another thing is sugary pop. There was no – there's never been sugary pop, although she takes sips of my sugary pop because I'm like, you can't tell me not to have a ginger ale. Mm-mm, you're the colonel. That's right. The, um, colonel, the but, colonel gets the Schweppes. Thank you for your service. But there were a lot of those things, cloth diapers being the first one that we tried. But we believed that we were going to speak Spanish to her every day. We believed that we were going to teach her to juggle at a young age, that she would, by this point in time, you know, I, we ran what into... What about viola? You thought about uh, some kind of a string instrument, maybe? Yeah, the viola, sure. She would The Suzuki method. Uh, we ran into a guy, a young dad, at a park one time when I think, you know, our little girl was two and he had a two-year-old. And the park was in Kirkland, Washington, a, a neighboring town to Bellevue, Washington, the tech capital of the Northwest. And, Kirk, and Kirk, Kirkland, I'm guessing, is where Costco is based? Kirkland is where Costco is based. <clears throat> Kirkland is also – it's just a – it is a wealthy uh, bedroom community. Oh, sort of like a Redmond kind of thing? Yeah, it's very close to Redmond, except it's on the lake, so it's, it's nicer, nicer Ooh. than Redmond. Okay. Uh, and we were talking to this dad and the kids were playing together and, and we were like, oh, you know, so what did, you know, what you guys come to this park often? And he was like, yeah, every day at 1 p.m. after, um, after like between soldering lessons and, uh, and chemistry, we come down to the park for 25 minutes of physical education, you know, education. And this guy, he just looked like a normal kid. He was just, he was a tech person. Uh, he couldn't have been 30, but he was talking to us about like the education and upbringing of the child and how uh, the child was in the 99th percentile already uh, at two, eight, two, at age two. And over the course of the conversation, two things happened. One, we were looking at each other going, um, oh my God, like it took everything 
just to get to this park today. It took, it took us an everything. hour and a half just to get out of the house. It took everything. And we have, uh, and we are not teaching our child chemistry. We don't know what percentile she's in. We're, we just barely made it to this park. And the other thing that happened was you could see this, this uh, young person gradually come to the understanding that having our children play together was actually um, going to injure his child uh, because our oh, daughter like, you, was, like really drag, drag the 99 percentile down. Yeah, because our daughter was so, so not a oh, high achiever. Oh, because your daughter's simple. Yeah, that she yeah. wasn't speaking French to him or something. And so Ugh. he just gradually like, you know, that thing when you're, when, when two kids really hit it off and parents kind of eye each other, like, are we going to make a play date? Are we going to ever try and meet up again? Because our kids uh, have really like latched onto each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very rarely do you say like, let's, let's meet up again. But you know, it happens. Well, I think in the early days, I mean, for example, uh, as you know, my wife, um, stop working for several years and mm-hmm. we're every single one of us is glad she did that. She's been able to reenter her career is going great, but that's what she wanted to do. And what's what we all wanted to do. And of course my stupid fake job makes it easy enough for me to be around. But I think in the early days, you know, there were things like uh, going to these music classes, uh, the play dates, there's all this kind of stuff that I think is kind of for mom and kid. And so, but here's the, you don't learn that it's for mom and kid. You don't fully get that until you've been with some real lemons. So in the early days, you're like, of course, I'd, I'd love little Daenerys to be, to come over and play blocks. And you're like, yeah, but Daenerys's mom sucks. Yeah. And so that is, does not meet the qualifications of this has to be fun for both of us. Right. Exactly. And this, this was a, a case where, you know, it was early enough in our parenthood that we, that we felt bad about the shade that this kid was throwing us like oh you guys aren't you're not even Ugh. she she's not even I in cannot a, tell you how many people i've met that are that guy and i just not even them. in a math program yet oh interesting oh okay well great meeting you we've got to get going it was just like oh we we, we worked so hard to get to this park today and now we've there now was we've there been, was one in that so in particular i'm here i'm talking about like there's this thing um Oh God, what was it called? Uh, but it was a really fun, like it's a like a franchise, like music class for babies and moms, and you mm-hmm. know, kids like you know hitting tambourines and stuff. But mm-hmm. there was, and I'm not, I don't mean to make this like a mom thing, but as you're saying here, Ugh, it's certainly moms. not restricted to moms. Oh, they're the worst. But Ugh. there was one who was just John. There's a word I've been hearing for several years, and I, I've never uh, adopted it. And now I realize, now that I've adopted it, how important this word has become for me in my life because I didn't never knew I needed this word before. You know what the word is? Sweaty. Huh? Sweaty. Okay. So sweaty, you know, I take sweaty to mean like you're going to really, this, you're going to make, you're trying so hard to get a laugh that you're doing these terrible dad uh, jokes. You're so, you're so sweaty for, it's like, a, it's a kind of a version of thirsty a little bit, yeah, I guess, thirsty. but you're so sweaty for basically admiration in some way. And this and also, this this child had a unibrow. She was she was a very unattractive baby. <laughs> she she looked like uh, what's his name Gerald, like Maggie's uh, uh, nemesis on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would just unprompted offer up these incredibly stupid and obviously dishonest uh, benchmarks about how well uh, little da- Daenerys was doing. 
Oh, and yeah. just like you know, you would somebody tries to say anything, and then of course everybody always wants to bring it back to their thing. And so she would always, she's so sweaty, she would always bring everything back to how well that basically Daenerys, you know, even though Daenerys is eight months old, uh, when she's at home, she can I don't know count to sixty in French. We yeah. put we put we put uh, letters on the steps. And she's able to spell words like Coco and, and just, but just all this, and you're like, wow. And I go back to my friend, Chris Coldren. I learned a trick from Chris in college. Whenever somebody starts talking to you about money and starts obviously trying to brag about money, yeah. what you say is, wow, that's a lot of money. Uh-huh. And in this case, when you're talking to sweaty mom, you say, wow, Daenerys is really smart. That's great. Uh-huh. Like, what are you going to say? More like, you're so full of shit. You're so full of shit. You and your husband obviously hate each other, and you think this baby is going to save you. I got news oh. for you, Daenerys Sr. The baby is not going to save you. Ouch. Un, deux, no. A, a baby never saved anything. Baby saved nobody. Baby no. saved nobody. Babies just steal and steal and steal. Oh, God. Well, so as you know, the process of being a, uh, a parent is, is one by one abandoning all your best laid plans for how you're going to have a nature baby and they're going to be, and you're going to speak French to it every day. Yeah. And finding just, yourself in the position as all adults will eventually find, believe it or not, even you young people is like, which kind of hypocrite will I become today that I can mostly live with? <laughs> and for me, the, I had no cloth diaper. I mean, I don't want to put diapers in the compost or, you know, in the, in the landfill any more than anybody else does. John, you have to scrape the poopy out for, That's for, the for those. You've got to scrape them out and then somebody goes and cleans that. That's the thing. It's just, it's a terrible thing. Ever, I've never met anybody that actually went all the way through with cloth diapers. If you're listening to the show and you are somebody that's done that, do we don't want to hear from you. you know, no, go, no. Go. Diapers are good for drying an automobile. Oh. They're very soft. Oh, that's right. Drying an automobile. Yeah, I thought you said drawing an automobile, and I was like, you mean attracting an automobile? No, no, no. You do that on your desk after you swab it. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I see see what you're saying. But one of the things, and you surely have gone through this too, from from a time before she went to school, I started to consider, consider what it would take, what it would mean, what it would be like to – homeschool it was it was from the very earliest times um what would the advantages and the disadvantages of homeschooling be because as as you know on this program i have speculated about education childhood education for many years long before i had a baby well Mm -hmm. No, we started doing this program right about the time I had a baby. Yeah, but I mean, this is one of those things that, that, that you know, a lot of adults have thoughts about parenthood. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, all kinds of uh, things related to education. They got all the answers. Sure. And for decades, I've felt like um, <clears throat> that we needed to re- reform the schools because the schools did a, did a, a poor job uh, for me. And, um, and you know, and I, I, I had a good sense of what, what needed to happen, how they needed to change. Well... Our good friend, uh, and I should—I I guess I should caveat that by saying good friend at the time, Dave Bazan, his wife embraced homeschooling. And, and so the way that their family was structured, it was very definitely that she was going to stay home and he was going to go out on the road and make the money and bring it home. Yeah. He was going to bring home the bacon and she was going to fry it up in a pan. Yep. But did she, she, was, did, she, did she do her best to, to never let him forget he's a man? 
I'm not sure. I don't. I didn't. I wasn't as privy about that aspects. Of, those aspects of their relationship. But, <laughs> so that's how it is in their family. But she did the whole. She went the whole <clears throat> nine. She has chickens. She uh, she plowed up the the grass in their suburban home and planted. You know, turned it into a a, a, a victory garden. And she does all the stuff. She utilizes the local homeschooling network. She uses the state so guidelines. She's like a, like a full-time lifestyle cosplay mom. Yes. And and watching her, I felt like, I mean, my of course, my initial feeling was, what if Dave Bazan's wife and Christine just taught our daughter too? And, you know, they both were raised in in a, in a um, evangelical context where they went to they didn't just go to public schools. At uh, least, in, at least where I'm from, uh, homeschooling is almost synonymous with religious nuts. Right. And, not that they, and, no, I'm not to say that Dave and his wife are religious nuts, but that's that's there's a very strong home, homeschooling tradition in the post no prayer in schools American evangelical landscape. And I think that's true. That's true generally. And 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 um, you know, I don't. I she and Christine is extremely smart and has given those kids a. Uh, I think a. First class education, but it's a hundred percent. You know, she works an eighteen-hour day. I think with those kids. Yeah, but I was like, is there a way to homeschool my child where I can continue to be an artistic loafer, who, a dreamer who goes for long walks and looks out at the world, and you know. Uh, but also my kid gets a first class education and it, it turned out at least when she was young that that was not possible and and i had the resources of you know i had my mom who was really hands on with the baby when she was little but we ended up obviously sending her to school cuz my god to be alone with a baby all day to be alone with a 2 year old all day yeah. from morning to night come on it's just like being hit repeatedly with a with a not a not a an aluminum bat, but with one of those Nerf bats that like the first few times you're hit with it you're like ha 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 ha, and then about time five you're like okay knock it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all there's, day there's, long, there's just, no there's no end to any of it. I mean, I think at some point most people learn to satisfice. You know that uh, that idea of like I I can't be perfect at this, but like you drive yourself crazy. With not only what has to be done, you eventually learn what has to be done. But I really think people do drive themselves crazy also with the like, again, the, the Viola lessons, the, the putting letters yeah. on the stairs, any of that stuff. It's a very Marin County thing. But we're dragging a lot of people today, aren't we? Oh, well, let alone homeschooling in Australia and New Zealand. And you Scotland. can't do that. The classes are taught by spiders. But nowadays, you know, I think what, what – I think, I think my – the bad surprise – was that it wasn't going to be for me. And when I say bad, I don't mean bad. I just mean like one of the surprises was that just walking along a creek bed with my daughter, she wasn't, it wasn't going to be like Tom Sawyer. She wasn't going to say, daddy, let's look under that rock. And I wasn't going to be able to look up, open the rock and say, oh, do you know what that is? That's genus uh, Spartacus. Oh, uh, your, your, your contextual education, dad. I was not going to be able to do that, right? And and also, and part of it was that she wasn't going to initiate that kind of curiosity about what snails were. 
And I wasn't going to be able to say, hey, honey, look over here. Don't you want to know what this snail is? Because she was going to go, no. And she had her own she had her own life, right? She had her own Honey, interests. you're being curious wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, come why, over why here. Can't you, why can't you be curious in the things that dad can service for you? <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about the French Revolution. And she's like, nope. Uh, Let me ask you this, honey. Is that a Les Paul or a Les Paul Jr.? <laughs> But 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 I'm now I'm 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 back up against it in a couple of different ways. Fourth grade was key in my history in school because fourth grade was where I left I, where I departed from the trajectory. Up until fourth grade, I'd been a kid that excelled in school because I was in the 99th percentile. And most of the teachers kind of, um, you know, what, what are your expectations, right? There's not, you're not really, you're just kind of teaching, you're trying to socialize kids. And the only demerits I ever got in school were that I wasn't, uh, you know, they all had to do with socialization. They weren't, they had nothing to do with like, everyone was assured that I was going to be a superstar if I just got this socialization component. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in fourth grade, that's where I um, started to feel like school was not all it was cracked up to be, that the adults didn't know what they were talking about, that homework was baloney and I shouldn't have to do it. Um, all those things, all those ideas that ended up causing me tremendous grief for the rest of my life, all started, and I don't know when they were implanted, but they all started to manifest hard in fourth grade. That was where I left the the path and never got back on it, really. And so looking at my kid and 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 understanding, like, oh, I remember, I remember fourth grade, I and she's going to remember this, and and. <clears throat> What can I do? Like, how do I, I said to her last night, it, oh, I was, you know, she was having a hard time going to sleep because she always has a hard time going to sleep. And I said, sweetie, has, has mama talked to you about puberty? Oh boy. And yeah. she said, um, no, not really. I said, have you heard it? Have you heard about it? Just to be clear here, you, you're, you are entering into this session at that time uh not having discussed this with your baby's mother are you, oh. are you freelancing here you're freelancing oh boy and <laughs> and she said it's something that happens when you're a teenager here's the thing if she knew if she knew what puberty was you would know because she would not be having this conversation with you if she well, knew what could... puberty was in any way she'd be going no, I don't want to talk about it. No, stop. And, don't and don't she, ever use the word pad ever again. Oh, well, I mean, let, leaving the leaving her menstrual cycle yeah. aside, you know, yeah. she's whatever, not she's nine and a half. But I'd it been reading earlier some, than it used to, buddy. Let me tell you why. No. And I'd been reading that's why I was mentioned. I'd been reading some book and it was like, you know, some kids start into puberty when they're eight. I was like, what? Really? What? 
I didn't start puberty until I was 17. It's <laughs> because you, you had that flight suit. Yeah, right. It kept, you it can't, kept can't the, get a boner in a flight suit. But la, you, la, could, la. you could tell that she knew <clears throat> there was something to it. And I think part of it is that the word puberty just sounds like something you don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I was like, well... It does. It's not. It is something that happens when you're a teenager, but it starts sooner than you might think, and it's going to be a transition that you go through. That's one of the biggest things that happens in life. You know, up until now, and part part of growing up is what you've been doing, which is you just eat a lot of food, um, you read a lot of books about Star Wars, and you get bigger. And a lot of people, I think would believe that if you just kept eating food and reading books about Star Wars, one day you would be a grown-up and someone would hand you the keys to a car. <laughs> and then you would have a job in government. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, now you're the colonel. Of, that's right. For a lot of people, that's kind of what happens. Um, but, you know, and one of the reasons that, that one of the reasons that daddy is so, um, has such, uh, is strict with you sometimes, is that he wants you to be, he wants you to have um, more than just the skills that you would naturally acquire by eating a lot of food and reading books about Star Wars. There are other things you need to learn. And, and you sometimes don't want to learn them, but like you need to know how to do long division. I'm sorry. I don't even know why. Nobody does it anymore, but I do it in my head, and that means that you're going to learn to do it in your head. Right. But puberty is a thing that, you know, that has happened to every person, and it can be – it's, and, it's, and it's wonderful – it's just, it's very, very, it's a very different experience than just eating a lot of food and growing up. Things mm-hmm. start to happen. And, and you, you, can, can, you can make the case that the, the, the teen years were, were not marketed to very well until the 50s. You could even make the case that teen, the teen years didn't really exist in agrarian America at least until colonial times and probably later. But puberty for sure has always been on the table. Pretty much everybody but Eric Trump has been through it. It's there, right? Yeah. It's there. It's looming. And it's not, the thing it's is, not optional. You can't clap out. And a lot there's so much there's so much energy around it, and so much negative energy. Everybody's afraid of it. Every and this is kind of why I, why I wanted to bring it up to her, because it's like I feel like if the first time you talk to her about it, her mom sits her down in a hard chair and pulls out a pad and says here's your future um you know it gets out gets out the whiteboard and uh, a book right. called your changing body <laughs> yeah and a, and, a, and a crucifix you know it, um they're gonna laugh just, at you they're gonna laugh at you <laughs> it's just part of this whole thing that we do in america where it's like we don't talk about death and we don't talk about sex and we don't talk about uh, and, and adolescence is this thing that just terrifies us all and we fill our kids full of terror you know, yeah. the only way they talked to me about puberty was they, yeah, they bought me some book like "Your Changing Body," and I couldn't get far enough away from that book. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was and just of course. Saying, I mean, and, and you know, it's also I don't know what it's like in other countries. So I've never lived in other countries. I've barely been to other countries. But I do think you know we've talked about this before, like how much shame we encode on children in order to make them manageable. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just because sometimes you're legit trying to help, but you still get somebody in an eating disorder. But like, there's also so much shame encoded on our kids. And like, and, you know, who are you going to talk to about like why the towels are stiff? You know, it's it's a very awkward time. Yeah. And I think in uh, in other countries, they just give the kid three glasses of wine and show them Emmanuel in Paris. And, oh, you know, carry and they, on Emmanuel. Mm. Yeah. 
But so, <laughs> I love so cable TV. Um, we're sitting and talking, and I'm, and you can see, as I'm saying to her, like, what you know, it's a transformation that happens in you, and it takes it takes several years, and it's, you know, you start to have all kinds of new powers, um, and it and it comes with new responsibilities. Um, your feelings change and, you know, cause and part of the reason I'm talking to her about it is that I can see she's starting to have intense emotions. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I see. Yeah, sure. You know, this is all, it's all part of part and parcel of what it takes to go from being a child to being an adult. And a lot of people make that transition without any help from the parent, from the adults around them. And I just want you to know, you're going to have as much help as you need. And you can see she's pulling the blanket further and further up under her nose and she's looking at me with these with these eyes that's just like I'm telling her the craziest ghost story she's ever heard mm-hmm. and I'm like you know I know that it sounds like really intense and it is but every single person that you've ever met that's grown up has gone through it and so and it's and it's going to be a big big part of your life for mm-hmm. for the time between at some point where it arrives on little pa- little pad feet until you're 50 years old like me and you're still wondering why it, why it went so badly. But, <laughs> so listen, I just want to prepare you. I'm going to speak in an oddly stilted and very coded way where it sounds like I'm asking you questions. I can't really tell you what we're talking about here, but you should definitely be worried. Well, that's right. And, and, and what, I, what I'm trying to do, what I was trying to do last night, which again, it was completely off, the, off shooting from the hip, is just like we just need to start talking about this in a way that it's never going to be casual, mm-hmm. but to not have the first puberty conversation be one where she gets the whole palette dropped in her lap um, all at once, but to just be like, oh, we talk about puberty now in addition to talking well, about. But like, isn't it, isn't it possible that? I mean, the shame that's been encoded on each of us, I don't know if I'm using that phrase exactly right, but you, I think you probably take my meaning. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I, I do feel like we're all taught to be ashamed of a lot of things and to do everything we can to never feel that shame and to act like we're tougher than we're, we are and never be vulnerable. But let's be honest, one reason, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but one reason I have been tempted to have this conversation I mean, I basically, I was, I was told to stay the hell out of this conversation by two huh. different people in the house. Uh-huh. Um, okay. <laughs> but, but why, why, why is this such a big deal? Well, yeah, it would be nice if there was some sort of, I'm guessing like an Anne Dowd type character. I don't know if you know that, that actress from, you know, like The Leftovers and, um, and Handmaid's Tale, but some kind oh, of a stern, like older middle-aged lady with long hair, maybe an Australian. You send your child to, to Anne Dowd and Anne Dowd sits them down for the talk in a very candid way without any shame. Whereas when I do it, I'm like, I don't want you to be Carrie. I'm worried you're going to be Carrie. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? You're going to you're going to be in the shower, and they're going to be throwing tampons at you, and they're going to mm-hmm. laugh at you, and mm-hmm. it's all because I never sat down and talked to you about pads. Right. I think my that, shame. My shame drives that. My the only shame that I want to impart in uh, into my daughter's life is that when I'm eating something, I do not want her to come and take that food off the plate. Is that That's, something you're still working with? Well. My daughter has a very strong food drive, and oh, okay. and it's a thing where she does. If I'm if I sit down to eat something, all of a sudden she will appear hmm. over my shoulder, and I'm like, how? It's like a, it's like having a pet that hears the crinkling of the 
Oh, like every food. time the can opener goes, the cat runs yeah. in the room. Yeah. But she's savvy enough. She appears over my shoulder. She, at first, you just catch a glimpse, a shadow of her. And then she comes into frame and she knows to be holding something. Like, Daddy, could you help me with, could you help me put the battery in this? <gasps> she's doing sleight of hand, not sleight of hand. She's doing like basically pickpocketing. Where yeah. you bump the person and they're like, oh, 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 and they're paying attention right. there. And meanwhile, and meanwhile, now your pork chops are disappearing. But I've been through this. She's been doing this since she was three years old. And <clears throat> so I go, mm-hmm. This doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm eating a little bowl of leftover noodles. <laughs> Daddy, will you hold this large radio with both hands? <laughs> right. And she's like, what? No. And I'm like, <clears throat> because it's funny. I've been sitting in the living room for an hour and a half watching you try and put that battery in there and you never asked for any help. But now that I have a little bowl of noodles, all of a sudden I'm the most important person in the, in the room, huh? Mm -hmm. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's all, she just, she does it every time. She's just like, if there's food being consumed, she just like, uh, it's just some snake. All all children are liars, John. This is something when you get that precious baby, little baby Daenerys comes out of the birth canal, literally, counting in French and you don't know what a fucking liar that child will turn into terrible taste big liar might as well send him to Australia yep she's a super duper liar but other than that other than like do not do not come around just because I have a bowl of noodles and pretend that you need me because that's insulting to both of our intelligence insulting to both of us and 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 you're not getting any noodles no matter what you do no matter what if you came in and handed me your piggy bank and said, Daddy, I love you more than anything. I want you to have my money in exchange for one bite of noodles. I would still say no. These are my On principle, John. On principle. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, like, I, other than that, I was so covered in shame about <laughs> everything. I don't want her to have any shame about anything. Yeah. And of course, that's very difficult. How do you, how do you, how, how do you discipline a, a child in a way that keeps her from, um, like eating by knocking her plate on the floor and then getting on her hands and knees and, and licking it off the, it off requires the floor. The, it requires such an obnoxious assumption that I definitely brought with me into this experience. I think I told you a long time ago, I used to say, I really, one of my, my goal here, obviously keep the kids safe, but also to not, not pass on unnecessary anxieties, especially my own unnecessary anxieties. But even that, if you think about it, it's, cr- it's crazy because that's going to govern the way that you behave. You're going to have tells. Your kid has a tell right here, which is like she thinks she's pulling it off with this whole noodle heist. But also the way any of us talk to our kids is going to reflect our, I think, most of us, not endowed, and that's why she's such a, she's such a gift, but it's going to reflect our own weirdnesses and hangups and anxieties and shames and all of that stuff. It's really hard. It's more a question of like how you deal with the ones you have rather than acting like they don't exist. Yeah, and the boy trying to um, trying to not. I mean, I think one of the things that we all have to deal with, and I'm talking to Ken Jennings about this because he's dealing with it too, is how to have a child that doesn't naturally love math not learn to hate math and associate math with the worst feelings they've ever felt. Mm-hmm. And I'd. You know, like there are there are kids who are off doing math when no one's watching. You know, like 
oh, we came in and he was already building, you know, a math, uh, a math box. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, oh, that's interesting because most of us, um, have a different experience, which is sit with a child and say like, here's how you do it. And they go, I don't get it. I don't want it. I almost feel like, you know, like we don't teach, uh, what avionics in elementary right. school. We don't, we don't teach, uh, like advanced chisel work. There's all kinds of things we don't teach in school, but we just act like it's totally normal that there's the, all these things. And then there's also math. And it's like, I almost feel like math should be like a different school. It makes for so many of us, and maybe just maybe this is just because I'm stupid. But back to your point of like, are you naturally interested and gifted at math? Well, it's a shocker. Mo- most of us aren't. But it's that math experience that can drag down the entire school year. Yeah, and and yet at the same time, I've what I try and demonstrate to her is in the course of a normal day, you have to do math in your head. Up to a certain point. Have I ever had to do trigonometry? No. You have to do arithmetic. You have to do arithmetic. But Uh that includes fractions. It includes long division. It includes multiplication. And it includes word problems. And they come up every day. It's like, well, let's see. We are supposed to meet somebody at two. We're – you know, we're that we're meeting them 15 miles away, but we have to stop at the grocery store and we only have $11, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> how are we going to solve this problem? And you yeah. figure you sit and you do it in your head. And it involves all the things that you're trying to teach a little kid, rounding, estimating, um, you know, also like, learning those code words. Like when you first learn that when you hear of, it's probably going to involve a percentage or division. Uh, There's those little, uh-huh. like you learn what all the different small words mean to help you decode word problems. Yeah, exactly. Like if, uh, the first thing you need to know is, is this a multiplication problem or a division problem? Because they look kind of the same, except they they're do. the opposite. And sometimes you have to and, – and every division problem, you have to do adding and subtracting within it. Yep. And all of this, you have to be able to kind of learn well enough that you can throw a picture of an equation up in the sky and look at it for – you know, between 10 and 15 seconds, because nobody's going to wait around for you to, to carry the four, Mm-mm. throw Mm-mm. it up there and come up with an, come up with an answer. And it happens every day. And so you need to be able to do it. And it's not, and it's not that you need to be able to do it because you're going to be tested on it. It's that it makes life so much easier. It really is just as important as, as anything else, because uh, as anything else that, that is a core set of skills because you don't want to be the one where somebody says, um, well, how many years was it between 1815 and, and, uh, and 1892 to be the, like, I don't know. I just, I heard a recent interview with Tig Notaro and she talked specific, it was a really good episode of uh, this podcast, only called how to, and and she specifically is talking about how she always struggled with math. Like it was really, really hard. Like her brain is just not wired for math. Tignataro is obviously a very intelligent person. Right. But like one day she's working at her waitress job and is having trouble counting up the change. She already is very self-conscious about her math or arithmetic skills. And the, the person who she was waiting on said, well, I'm glad I can, um, something like along the lines of, I'm, I'm glad my tip can help fund you uh, going to college or something like that. And she was, she was just, she carried that with her for years. You know, if you're, like you say, if you, if you got to spend a long time to, fi- to figure out what the tip on something is, like, that's not a, it's not a great look. No, no. And, and I mean, just, 
every day, the thing is that every day she comes to me with a math question. She just doesn't realize it's a math question. Mm, okay. All right. You know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, just I, no, little, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. Like how old were you when I was born? Well, how old are you now? How old am I now? It's a math question. Um, and particularly those ones where she's like, what age were you when mama was my age or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I love that stuff. And it's just like, Hey, let's, and now you, know, you have let's... a spreadsheet that I've give, yeah. gifted you. For that. <laughs> that's right. And that's a wonderful <laughs> spreadsheet. We've all enjoyed it very much. <laughs> You can um, love spreadsheets and not be a, a fan of maths. I had to learn a little bit of Excel because I wanted to add other people into it, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get the I couldn't get it to calculate. And then uh, what it turned out was that um, that I need that all I needed was uh, was like to do a couple of very simple key commands. Yeah, yeah you can do you just it, pull down, you do a fill. You do a fill and then That's it all I, put, I tend out. to put I tend to put my variables over here and the calculations yeah. over here. I like oh, to keep yes. those separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Keep yeah. the variables over yeah. here, the calculations yeah, over there. Exactly, so this is exactly. the stuff that you know they don't teach in schools. Yeah. Uh, but here I stand on the threshold of essentially thinking very seriously that I'm going to have to homeschool her for fourth grade, fourth grade, the year that I, that I'm, that I myself did it. You did it to me again. One hour in, you brought it back around. Okay. Wow. I don't know how you do that, man. Your brain is so shredded. How the fuck can you Mm. do that? Your hands don't work. Mm -mm. And then somehow, but you're still able to do that. Yeah. It's I don't even know which one of these seltzers is, late, is newest. They're all. I, I didn't learn it in school. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Those fat cats don't want you to know. Okay, so so to catch me back up here, so you're saying this yeah. academic year? Now. You're saying um, you're you're confronting or you're asking yourself, and presumably yeah. your baby's mother, yes. is this a thing where we need to pull the kid out of the Montessori and do it here? Even if we, even if we keep the Montessori as some kind of, um, you know, as some kind of beard to, Oh, I see. Like the actual school is going to have to happen here. It's like, like the shield headquarters in captain America. Like it looks like a barbershop or something or a, or, a, or like yeah. an antique store. It looks like John's house, but it's actually, it's actually a, a school. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you know what I'm saying. The Montessori is it's providing cover. It's providing cover last year. Trying to do this uh, over Zoom, it was like every day was a, was a breakdown in tears because there was some disembodied face on there holding up some some things that we didn't have, some little some little boxes and balls that we didn't have, and saying you can find the worksheet on seesaw, and we didn't even know what the hell a seesaw was. <laughs> now you're and, just saying words. You're testing me. And it was like, okay, <laughs> well, well, do you have your Montessori balls? <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to teach you how to do long division. I know that that's not how that. I know that new math is different. I know that uh, that Montessori math is different. I'm just going to teach you what I know because it's it's the only thing I know, and I don't know why. I'm sure there are great reasons. I'm not some. I'm not a new math hater. Like I'm sure there are great reasons to do it other ways, They're but I don't hard. know those reasons, and yeah. I don't have anybody holding my hand. And in researching that, researching it online. It doesn't make any more sense to me or less sense than just doing long division. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just look. So what I, what I did was I ordered, I went 
online and found a, a very reputable uh, like textbook company. And I ordered a whole suite of fourth grade workbooks across all, um, you know, across all topics, geography, vocabulary, language arts, math, story problems, you know, biology, like all the things. It's like like Blue Apron for school. (laughs) It was, right? And it's a a big stack of them. And, um, And I said... There's no harm going to come from working through these books with her because I can tell you right now that whatever Zoom call we're on is going to be hard to parse and incomplete. And the and what I don't want is to have school be this kind of theater where it's like, well, we sat on a Zoom call for an hour and it was excruciating. So school's over for the day. You can put up with the busy work aspect and the citizenship aspect and the shamefulness aspect of school because it is important to a little kid to get socialization and to learn how to like hold their bladder for five minutes and stuff like that. I, I, I get that, but like it's so, I feel like, in my opinion, it's so silly to feel like we need to perform that, you know, as though you're going to school on the computer. You're not. It's a fun, and it's one problem with trying to ramp this shit up in fucking two months. Is like this is a can be back to our first discussion of this, John. This is exactly the t- time to try some new shit, and like instead of trying to replicate an in-class experience by making like an, a hyperbolic Brady Bunch screen, like that's not good for anybody. And I think we're going to figure that out pretty damn fast. I, we have to, and I don't know. Like honestly, the world being shut down as we've discussed for the last several months has been, at least for me, a net positive. And I think that it's true for a lot of people. Yep. We're not supposed and to talk the, about it, but it's true. <laughs> and then the, the problem is like that just us, it being good for us and, uh, and you know, pulling back and saying like, great, well, how about if I don't go back to work in town? And how about if we don't go to shows anymore and it's just this new thing? Like we're our absence is not helping the people that have to do it like have any better conditions right you saw that thing i think that that the top 10 billionaires all basically doubled their money in the last 4 months yeah yeah um so you know so this is this is a good this is a good uh, couple seasons to you know own a big part of amazon yeah that's right but this is not the time that you know p- part of it is like it's better for me not to have to go into town but it doesn't mean that I don't have to like be engaged and and you know pick up the flaming sword or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this might be a better way to raise a kid too. The the problem being, of course, that kids want to play with each other. But like I don't know, schools like I don't know schools. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I this I'll tell you. I feel like the one. It's so difficult for me to imagine. You set aside things like, you know, travel industries, hospitality industries. The one that I I feel like is going to have to change and is so overdue for a revolution is colleges and universities. 
I mean, this okay. So now, haha! It's funny to do the thing and say, "Oh, this is what it costs for a Zoom account. This is what it costs to stream. It's fifty fifty-five thousand dollars to stream this semester when you go to Harvard or whatever." Okay. But you know, but like the thing is that that comes on the heels of years and years and years of some bonkers shit. When I went to college in nineteen hundred eighty-six, like many many centuries ago, like I said, it was five grand a year for everything, pretty much. And now the idea that like. The, the God, this should be a whole episode, but you take all of these different contributing factors. There's so many fewer jobs of any kind. Well, let's put it this way. There's so many fewer careers of any, any kind for like 80% of the country. For people who are like very uh, – go to elite colleges and become doctors or whatever, that's fine. But like I, like I studied – I made up my own major for my $5,000 a year school and it was called cultural studies. So, but here's the thing, $5,000 a year starting in 1986 to do basically literature and cultural studies, that's not such a bad deal. I got some pretty good jobs after that. Yeah. Um, today, would I go to a school for 50, 40, 50, $60,000 a year, take out a quarter of a million dollars in debt to write a, a, a very narrow undergrad thesis on cultural studies with a concentration on infomercials on TV? I don't know, man. I don't think that's such a great bargain right now. Yeah, and it all. I know, I, but it, it all contributes. It all contributes. Like there's the like it got, it's gotten way too costly. Look at how many millenniums are just are so impossibly deep in debt right now to be able to go and publish, you know, listicles, you know, for BuzzFeed, you know. It's yeah. it's not it's not great. So anyway, I'm just tossing out. You know, I, I think there's opportunities to improve the way we do secondary elementary and secondary schools but like college man don't you think it's time for a serious fucking rethinking of that entire system there was a i I read some tweet uh just yesterday somebody said you know one of the ways that uh, one of the ways to make um you know elite universities more equitable and accessible is to eliminate this uh you know what they were saying was basically eliminate um all legacy Right. Uh, Yale's getting kind of blasted for this stuff right now, right? Yeah. But I read it, and for the first time in my life, I was like, who cares? Like, elite universities, who gives a shit? Like, that is such a the, – the whole idea that going to Yale – I mean, for the people that go to Yale, like, God bless them. Um, and one of our good friends, his daughter is going to Yale this fall. And it was a big deal when she got in, like a huge deal. We We were all – on the internet with each or texting each other, like crying and hugging each other. She got in, she got in, you know, I mean, there's nothing bigger. I don't think than getting into Yale. And I wish that it had happened to me. I wish that I had ever applied, but beyond that, like that could have been, that really could have been your pathway to at least being the Colonel. And of course, possibly becoming, you know, by fiat, the retired director of the CIA. Merlin, can you imagine a pathway to me being more insufferable than that I had gone to Yale. Oh my God. We really dodged a bullet, didn't we? Think about it. Imagine, you, imagine it's like a, like a Jekyll and Hyde, except yeah. you'd be, you'd be more like Colin Malloy. Can you even imagine that? Think about that. Think I if would you were be, more like Colin, Colin Malloy. I would be a giant <gasps> Colin Malloy with, <gasps> with a greater vocal range. You'd be a Yeti and, Malloy. I would, and I—I I mean, I would be—I would be like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man of Colin Malloy's. 